Kia ora. I'm Matthew Scott, and today on The Detail... OK, we'll make sure it's nice and low and get on with the meringue and the pav. A, the same recipe for pavlova, that's the good news. So you whip until it's nice and frothy. There we go. Eggs. Trying to get lots of air into it. Whether it's the mighty pavlova or the humble fried egg, they're a keystone of our cuisine. Uh, breakfast in bed is a special Mother's Day tradition. Uh, whether your mum prefers a traditional bacon and eggs on toast or a light fruit and yogurt, or um, how about pikelets? For a fun brunch, something that I've been making a lot recently is called a fluffy omelette, uh, which is essentially eggs cooked with lots of butter. The Queen liked scrambled eggs flavoured with nutmeg and lemon rind. In New Zealand, there's normally almost a chicken for every person. But right now... Well, if you're partial to a cooked breakfast, you might be out of luck this summer. We have an egg shortage on our hands. From Auckland to Levin to Christchurch, up and down the country, some egg aisles are looking, well, eggless. Eggs are a staple on menus everywhere. Eggs and coffee, the two main things. Eggs Benedict is quite nice. This Auckland bakery can go through as many as 4,000 in a single week, but its suppliers ran dry pre-Christmas. I was driving around the city trying to find eggs. At the moment, the country is about 400,000 chickens short of meeting demand. And that has consequences, especially for keen bakers like Clayton Barnett, who appeared on the first season of The Great Kiwi Bake Off. He spoke to our producer, Sarah Robson. One of my main things, I make, I make a lot of macarons and sell them to my friends and family. And one of the most important components are eggs. And I just haven't been able to make them lately. I made um, two 10-egg pavs at, around Christmas, and it just seems like a dream to go to a shop and um, buy yeah, a dozen eggs or a tray. Um, and at the moment, just nothing on the shelves. Yeah, so desperate times might call for desperate measures and I might have to resort to the chickpea juice situation or, like, go to some markets and, um, you know, get them there. It's just, what is going on? First the butter, now the eggs. Thank God it didn't happen before Christmas, but it is, like, you think of all the classic Kiwi culinary items and the pavs, pavs are right up there. And the pav is just such a curious case of science where it's just, like, you take literally two ingredients and it makes this like marshmallowy crunchy goodness and it's just that's, that's ruining a lot of kiwi barbecues if the pav's at risk it's it is a crisis in new zealand when was the last time you managed to buy eggs uh oh god uh maybe about two weeks ago i grabbed what i could when i could um and my mum um lives downstairs and she's uh, picked up the odd trace uh the odd dozen for me when she can, but like we both struggle and we both bake, so it's it's tough out there at the moment. So has this changed what you've been able to bake? Your everyday baking? Are you having to resort to more biscuits, perhaps over cakes? <laughs> uh, I've got my sister's birthday cake to make in two weeks, so that that could be on the on the chopping block. Um, it might have to be a donut tower. But um, at the moment, I've definitely uh, making more slices and biscuits, um, cakes, um, and macarons. Even the even the old um, omelets off off the cart. You know, um, eggs are my bread and butter, which is a funny thing to say. But uh, yeah, so I was I was going to make a whole because um, these about 
don't know, 30 or 40 eggs and I do a batch of macarons. Um, and on Valentine's Day is coming up and it's going to be these like, cute little dinky macarons for that. But yeah, that's off the cards. But what came first, the chicken or the egg shortage? Food writer Olivia Sisson has been looking into it. When I got back to New Zealand at the end of last year in November, one of the first things I noticed in the supermarket that there was that there were signs asking customers to please only buy two cartons of eggs per customer. And then as we got into the run-up to Christmas, there were actual real shortages with empty shelves. Um, and so I just kind of started digging into what was going on and um, found that it kind of really all kicked off in 2012 when the government committed to some new animal welfare standards and essentially said, um, by 2022, battery cages will no longer be allowed within the egg-laying industry. And a lot of animal welfare advocates at the time really wanted an absolute immediate ban on battery cages. They're really confining for hens. They don't allow them to do any roosting or perching or foraging or any of their natural behaviors. And um, so, yeah, not a great situation for the hens. Um, but at that time in 2012, 80% of the eggs in New Zealand were laid in battery cages. So the kind of agreement that was come to was that a phased rollout would take effect in 2012, culminating in an outright ban on battery cages in the egg-laying industry by the end of 2022. 80% being battery cages, it is a lucky, pretty huge change for the sector, isn't it? Yeah, so it was a, a monumental shift to ask the industry to undertake and 10 years sure sounds like a lot of time. Um, I think consumers such as myself in that moment would have read news pieces about that legislation coming into play back in 2012, but kind of forgot about it. But in the background, the egg industry was undertaking this pretty massive shift in how they did things to comply with the legislation that was going to take effect in 2022. Um, and I think what's really interesting is the egg farmers began the shift from battery cages often to colony cages, which are a little bit bigger and seem to be slightly better for animal welfare, although not great still. And then in 2017, the supermarkets, both Woolworths and Foodstuffs, announced that by 2025 and 2027, they would only purchase cage-free eggs. But unfortunately, 33% of battery farmers had already converted to colony systems, meaning they wasted millions of dollars, a lot of time and resource converting to these systems that were becoming essentially defunct anyways. Is there a consensus about how good colony cages are, how much better they are, and uh, like compared to free range and compared to battery? From my perspective as a curious consumer and shopper and eater, it seems like the animal welfare side of things is that this legislation represents a great win for animal welfare in terms of the removal of battery cages, which are really seen to be at the bottom of the heap in terms of being the worst for the animals themselves. Colony cages are seen to be slightly better, but still fairly confining and not great for animal welfare. The next kind of tier seems to be barn raised. And then best practice seems to be free range. Although in talking with people, different people around the issue, it does seem like in some cases, what we think of when we think barn raised is not a pretty red barn with white trim. It's still a very confining, stifling space, which may not even give chickens great access to the outdoors. So our perception of what these things mean and what they actually look like in practice may differ, but certainly free range is seen as the best for animal welfare. Maybe a useful analogy 
in this case is compostable packaging. It sounds really great, but I think as consumers, as myself included, have learned over the last few years is that compostable packaging doesn't actually always mean you can just chuck it in your garden and it will break down and turn into compost. Oftentimes, we actually don't even have the facilities here on shore in New Zealand to process compostable packaging. So in many things in life, what we, you know, words don't always perfectly reflect the actual practical reality of things. So just to recap here, back in 2012, the government announced the end of battery cages. Egg farmers had until the end of 2022 to comply. Under the new rules, the bigger colony cages are allowed. Some farmers were already using them, and some farmers who were using battery cages were converting to them. But were they putting all of their eggs in the wrong basket? In 2017, the two major supermarket chains decided they'd go completely cage-free. Michael Brooks is the executive director of the Egg Producers Federation. He says farmers were suddenly facing huge upgrades or getting out of the game entirely. The two supermarket chains, Foodstuffs and Countdown, and over a pretty short six-week period, said, we are not going to accept colony cages. Um, And most of those farmers at that stage were looking at 2022 going, hell, the system that I was probably going to move into colony is no longer viable. To go to colony is a a minimum of a million dollars a farm. At that stage, and it's stopped since then, 33% of the flock are in colony. And this is what my, this is my huge gripe. Well, I've got a number of gripes with the supermarkets, but that's one of them. They, when you ask them why they did it, they said it's not it's not welfare, it's consumer choice. To which my comment is, and where were the demonstrations in Otara and Cannons Creek by shoppers saying, I don't want the cost-effective colony eggs, I want to pay double for free-range eggs. That is nonsense, in my view. We went to the supermarkets for comment. Countdown says it's been working with farmers since 2016 to prepare for the phasing out of colony cage eggs. And it says there's been a 93% increase in customer demand for cage-free eggs since then. But Michael Brooks says farmers were caught unawares. When that happened, the farmers went, holy hell, what do I do now? And remember, like most of agriculture, you're talking a farming sector where the average age is older. And you've got older farmers going, gee, do I want to load myself with millions of dollars of debt to buy a free-range farm to set up when, you know, retirement age is coming up on me? And, of course, the old-style cage system, the sheds aren't optimal to put colonies in, but they're very good. But if you have an old-style cage farm, there's no way you can have free-range because you've got to have the range area. And so you're talking, if you want 5,000 hens, you need uh, two hectares of range it's a hectare per two and a half thousand birds. But then if you want to go to barn, you're going into a system which in New Zealand was tiny back in 2012, but free range is a whole new farm. So farmers Hmm. were thrown into doubt. So people have said to me, oh, six, eight, ten years is a long time. I said, not when you've got supply chain issues, environment court issues, the joys of the Resource Management Act, financial finance issues, etc., 
And that's also what we've seen. We've seen what was almost 100% family-owned business now becoming more and more a corporate-type business. So you're getting much bigger players, people buying out others, because you need the money. So the industry is compacting quite fast, and it's turning from family-owned business into corporates. What we saw from COVID was last year we saw between 15 and 18 small free-range farms go out of business, and no one new came on last year. That's the first time right. where it's happening in 20 years. Because the little guys, when COVID came in, eggs, you know, retail, consumers could only buy eggs in supermarkets. And the little guys don't sell to supermarkets. The supermarkets want the big guys. They want the big guys for um, guarantee of supply numbers and national coverage. And so the little guys generally sell to farmers markets, cafes, corn, dairies, et cetera, they all went as options during COVID. Some of those people managed to get onto online, but others had that, and they might have survived through COVID, and then along came grain prices, inflation, and they've all just said it's too tough, and they've got out. And egg farmers haven't been immune to the impacts of the war in Ukraine and the global grain crunch. Remember, grain backs up feed. Feed is 65% of the cost of producing an egg. Feed has, on average, gone up at least a third. And people are going, this is too hard. People then said, I'm really uncertain where I'm going, so they weren't ordering birds or chicks. And so the flock, instead of stabilising around 3.8, 3.9, is now down at 3.5. So we're about 400,000 hens lower than what we should be. How long can we expect the egg shortage itself to go on for? It sounds like it's definitely going to stick around for at least a little while. I think I heard this morning it takes about 18 weeks for a chick to reach egg-laying maturity. So there is a significant lag time in terms of being able to add new hens to the flock, the overall flock that we have in New Zealand. And then it's just been interesting to, to read about many people deciding to get their own chickens and then finding there is actually quite a lot of work involved. And it doesn't mean you get eggs overnight. You actually... Um, have to wait. And um, yeah, it does seem like the shortages are here to stay for at least the time being, um, whether that's six months or a year. I'm not exactly sure, but it'll certainly be interesting to see. Mm. I'm sure you've, um, you know, become uh, familiar with the the classic Kiwi dessert over Christmas, the pavlova <laughs> and all of the um, similar foodstuffs that, that do use eggs, like we are an mm. egg eating people. Yes. Um, yeah. How have you been personally affected by the shortage? Yeah. I mean, personally, I don't eat a ton of eggs. Um, I'll have the odd one for breakfast, um, do a bit of home baking. So I don't think I've been personally affected in a huge way. Um, definitely privileged to have a varied diet with many different protein sources. But I think um, for those on a tighter budget, eggs can be a really important and protein-rich staple. Um, so mm. I think it's been... Yeah, it was a little bit worrying to see um, the cost approaching almost a dollar egg, a dollar per egg in some cases. Yeah, can you tell me a little more about that? Like the importance of the egg as a potential solution for food insecurity, or you know, the current cost of living. The egg is a kind of something that people lean on. Yeah, I mean, I think the humble egg is is pretty important. It's um. There aren't actually many direct substitutes. Of course, there's aquafaba and chickpeas. If you're baking, you can use vinegar, or applesauce. So there are certainly substitutes, but they're often not a one-for-one -one substitute in terms of 
protein content and, and ability to fill you up and allow you to go into the day feeling full and ready to engage. Um, so I think the egg certainly represents um, an important staple for a lot of people. And I just think it's important to remember in this that 40% of adults and 20% of children in New Zealand experience some level of food insecurity, which those are pretty staggering numbers. So to see a really important protein source um, in such a state of shortage and flux is is quite scary in that regard. And, um, you know, a carton of eggs can can make an amazing meal for, for a big family. So I think the egg is really important in, in many ways. So important, some people are taking matters into their own hands. The egg shortage has sparked a scramble for hens. OK, so we're going to carry this one out to the paddock. Manawatu hen seller Margaret Fullerton-Smith has had a busy start to the year. (laughs) Filling orders from egg lovers keen to secure their own supply during the shortage. But here's some advice from someone who's kept chickens in the suburbs for nearly 20 years. The details, Alexia Russell. We got chickens when we bought our first house. They're great. I loved watching them peck their way around the garden. And also, they're not so great. First, you do need a decent-sized section to keep them well away from your house and your neighbour's house. You can only keep six in Auckland and no roosters. It's terrific always having eggs on hand, but in a natural environment, chooks don't lay in winter, so you're still feeding them without any payback at that stage. They do soak up all the leftovers, so that's great. Plus, they keep the weeds and the bugs down. But don't bother trying to grow vegetables because they will rip through those. Uh, You need mash and wheat, and mash smells horrible. You need to feed them early in the morning, so no sleep-ins for you ever. You're going to have to work out what to do with an egg-bound hen, and believe me, that is not fun. The chook run could attract rats or worse, dogs. We've had dogs run amuck on our property, tearing the chickens apart, feathers and blood from one end to the other. And then there's the poo everywhere, and what finished us one summer was a red mite infestation that we couldn't get rid of. So, you know, apart from that, it's great, but they're not pets, and you do have to be a bit ruthless about getting rid of them when they stop laying. That's it for today. I'm Matthew Scott. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Today's episode was engineered by William Saunders. Our producers are Sarah Robson and Bonnie Harrison. And thanks to Olivia Sisson, Michael Brooks and Clayton Barnett. Mā te wā.